What is your number one all-time personal problem ever? Uh, think through all the problems that you've had or think about your top five. Let's just do that. It won't be that complicated. Whatever the issue is, what is your number one all-time personal problem? Well, I want to share with you what that is. And as I share that with you, I, I want to also communicate that your number one all-time personal problem ever is the same as mine and is the same as everyone else that you know. Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to Life Over Coffee. I am so glad that you are here. The title of the article is The Number One All-Time Personal Problem Ever. I'm going to share that with you, and if you would like to read this, this article, it's very short. It's one of my shorter articles. You're welcome to do that. Just jump on our website, look for that title, The Number One All-Time Personal Problem Ever, and you can read everything that I'm going to share with you. As always, we have embedded links in all of our articles, and so you can use them like a homework assignment. There are many disciple makers and biblical counselors who use our resources. They use them supplementally uh, for folks that they are discipling, and it helps them. It's, it's kind of like uh, when I was a kid, we had a, a clothesline. A clothesline is a basically uh, two wires strung between two posts, and you hang your clothes on the clothesline so that they can dry. Uh, imagine some of you have never heard of a clothesline, and you don't know what that is because you have a dryer in your home, praise God. Well, a clothesline, again, it, it's, it's a line that connects from one post to the next, and that line dips in the middle, and sometimes that's the way a counseling session is. Uh, you meet from Tuesday to Tuesday, from post to post. But in between those Tuesdays uh, during the week, uh, you tend to dip and you need some supplemental resources. And that's how some people use our resources. It kind of props them up in the middle as they begin to dip in between counseling sessions or discipleship opportunities. And I'm so glad that you do that if you're one of the ones that do. If you don't, then I want you to consider using our resources because this is why we have them. I mean, our mission statement is is quite clear. I mean, the reason that uh, we exist is, is to help others. Specifically, our mission statement says we exist to provide life-changing resources that equip Christians to help others. That's why we exist. We want to provide life-changing resources that equip you to help other people. We are not a counseling ministry. Uh, we're not able to provide personal one-to-one uh, -one counseling to people who come to our ministry because we just don't have the, the human resources to do that. But what we can do is we can produce lots of resources, and we have millions of words and article content like this article that I'm about to share with you. We have hundreds of videos that you can watch as well. We have over, I don't even know the count now, but over 1,200 podcasts. We're talking about hundreds upon hundreds of hours that you can listen and then we are a dialogue ministry as well. We have free forums that anyone can come to and 
participate in. All you need is a username and a password that keeps the spammers out. And you can interact with us in a dialogue way. And then we have private forums for those who underwrite our ministry. My point is we have a lot of resources and you, we we welcome you to use them. We appeal to you to use them as you care for others. And then as you care for others, what you're going to run into is what I've titled this podcast and the article, the number one all-time personal problem ever. And it's the same problem for every human being on the planet. Seven plus billion people all struggle similarly. Now, I find that to be great news, that all Christians have one common problem that sits foundationally at the core of their being, and it is the biggest struggle in their lives. Now, I trust that makes sense to you. If it doesn't, by the time that I'm done here, I pray that it does make sense and, it, and that you will find it to be quite releasing because you don't have to be omniscient. You don't have to know everything about every person in the world in order to help them. You see, if each person's mightiest battle were unique to them and dissimilar to everyone else, then you would have to be omniscient in your soul care endeavors. But mercifully, we all trace back to one man, and from him comes our universal uh, struggle, and that is excellent news. Now, the million-dollar question is, well, what is the problem? What's the unique yet common problem that every person in the world struggles with applying to their lives? Now, thankfully, it is not rocket science. You see, the human condition is not so complicated that we can't bring proper care to fellow strugglers. And though you may disciple 1,000 people with a 1,000 different stories, you know that all of those unique narratives, those unique stories find their genesis, their point of departure, their point of origin in one common problem that sits foundationally in their heart of hearts. My problem and your problem are the same as the one that Adam had in the beginning. In the beginning, I'm talking about Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. That is the great intersection of humanity where Adam had to decide if he would believe God or not. Once Adam chose not to trust God, then his story developed uniquely to him. His story developed uniquely to his relationships and his context and his situational difficulty. And that's where all of our stories are different. All of our narratives are different, but the point of departure is the same as the point of departure that Adam and Eve had. Would they trust God or not? You see, that is the core problem for all of us. That is why I titled this podcast the number one all-time personal problem ever. It is our struggle between trust, trusting God, 
and not trusting God. Faith in God and unfaith in God. Belief in God and unbelieving God. That is the point of departure. Whether you are saved or lost, that is the foundational question. What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? What will you do with him? That is every human's common problem. Now, depending on how they answer that question, and there are only two answers. You either trust God or you don't. And depending on what you do, then you will have a unique story. Then you will have a unique narrative. Then there will be seven plus billion unique stories out there. But if you trace them all down to root cause, it will be what think ye of Christ, whether we trust him or not. And when you are helping someone, it is important that you don't get lost in the narratives of their lives, but you want to help to walk them back to the first problem, the universal problem, the one that is common to all of us. You see, it is impossible, and I want to say that it is, that it is even unnecessary to know everything that there is to know about a person. I mean, it is impossible because you would have to be omniscient to know every microscopic part of a person's story. But it's not only impossible, it's not necessary. And I trust that releases you from having to know everything that there is to know about an individual. But what you must understand when you're talking to an individual, you want to understand how the doctrine of sin, harmoniology, how it intersects with the doctrine of humanity, anthropology, to create the doctrine of the soul, psychology. There is an intersection there. The sin in our lives, the sin in the world, harmoniology, the doctrine of sin, it collides with the doctrine of anthropology, the doctrine of humanity. And so sin collides with humanity, and that's what happened in Genesis 3, and, uh, 3 6, and 3 7. And then it creates a doctrine of the soul. Psychology is the study of the soul. And so, understanding those three things sin intersecting with anthropology, the doctrine of humanity, and creating the doctrine of the soul psychology, it's at that intersection where you, where you will find our universal temptation not to trust God. And so if you go back to Genesis 3-6, the doctrine of sin came in a walking, talking, stalking serpent, the doctrine of sin. And it was intersecting with the doctrine of man, Adam specifically. Adam had a decision to make, well, I trust God or not. And he chose not to trust God. Thus, he began to create a unique doctrine of psychology, a doctrine of his soul. It's at that intersection where you will find our universal common temptation not to trust God. Imagine, just for a moment, if he chose to trust God when the doctrine of sin came to the doctrine of man and he chose to trust God rather than unbelieve God. 
then his soul would have been remarkably different, 180 degrees different. His doctrine of psychology would have been different because he made another decision to trust God rather than reject God. And that is the same decision that every one of us have to make. Now, as I talk about our core universal problem, that's the same for everybody, the tension between faith and unfaith, belief and unbelief, trust and untrust, however you want to, whichever words you want to use. Jesus is the way. He is the solution. Trust him. But there are many paths to get to Jesus. All of us are on a unique path path, even though the goal and the solution are the same. Let me give you an illustration. In John 3, the Savior had a counseling session with Nicodemus. You're familiar with it. He was a religious man of the Jews, came to Jesus by night, said to him, we know that you're a teacher. Come from God. You can't do these things otherwise. And so we we know how that counseling session went between Nicodemus and Jesus. And then when you turn the page in John 4, the Savior had another counseling session with another individual, the Samaritan woman. And as you read the dialogue to that counseling session, it is a totally different conversation with that woman that he had with Nicodemus in John 3. That's why I say that there is one universal problem and one solution, but there are many paths that get there. Nicodemus was walking down a unique path that was unique to him. He had a unique narrative. The woman at the well had a unique life, and she was walking down her unique path, but they were heading to the same place. Both of these individuals had the same problem, the same as Adam, the same as you, the same as me. They were not living in belief. Now, in their situation, it was a lack of regeneration. They had a salvific belief problem. They were not Christians. But whether you are a Christian or not, the problem is the same for all of us. Their problem is they were not trusting God in a salvific sense. If you have been regenerated, you've been saved, been born again, then you have trusted God salvifically. Now, your number one problem will be trusting God in your sanctification for the rest of your lives. Now, Jesus did not give them two solutions. He gave both of them the same solution. He said to both of them that you must believe. In John 3, 7, he said it this way. Do not marvel, talking to Nicodemus, that I said to you, you must be born again. Nicodemus was on a different path, a unique narrative, but he was heading to the same spot as the woman at the well. And so when you turn the page and you, when you read the answer that Jesus gave the woman at the well, it sounds like this in John 4, 13 and 14. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus said the same thing to them, but he said it in two different ways because they were two unique people. 
the critical thing to understand here is that Nicodemus, the Samaritan lady, Adam in Genesis 3, you and I, we struggle the same way in our hearts, the tension between faith and unfaith. Now, Christ knew this, of course. And though we all have the same core heart foundational problem, we do not do cookie-cutter soul care. Christ did not use the same method to bring these two unbelievers to belief. And that's why I read the text in John 3, 7 and John 4, 13 and 14, because I wanted you to hear how different the conversation was, even though they had the exact same problem. Jesus understood. He discerned. He sympathized, and he loved them according to their individuality. He listened to their story, and while listening to their unique story, he figured out how to bring them from their story to his story. And that, my friend, is Discipleship 101. Knowing the core problem is not difficult. In fact, I trust that when I shared the title of this article with you a few moments ago, the number one all-time personal problem ever, that many of you just intuitively knew, oh, well, the number one all-time personal problem ever is, is unbelief. I mean, it is trusting God. Knowing the core problem is not difficult. Jesus looked at Nicodemus. They had a conversation it was obvious that he did not trust God. Jesus looked at the woman at the well. They had a conversation. It was obvious that she was not trusting God. I mean, we already know this information because, again, this is our universal problem. And so all of us in our heart of hearts at various times during the day or various situations or very re different relational interactions, dust-ups that we have with, with people. We, we know when, you, when you're helping a person like that, you know that there's going to be a struggle between trusting God in this moment or not. And so knowing the core problem is not that difficult. It is universal, and we all struggle with it. But getting a person out of their narrative getting Nicodemus out of his story, getting the woman at the well out of her story, and to bring her to a place of trusting God in a practical way that is unique to that struggler, that is unique to Nicodemus and unique to the woman at the well. Now that is a discipleship gift. Now not everybody has that gift. I mean, everybody has it at a, at a common level. I mean, anyone can say, well, you need to trust God, but we want to move beyond the cliche. We want to move beyond trite statements that really don't have contour and, and depth. Now, every, everybody, every Christian can do this to some level, 
and many of us are growing in it and we're becoming better at it. And by the way, that's what what I'm talking about here is one of the things that we train in our mastermind program is we, we take our students where they are and we try to teach them how to have this kind of ability and insight. You understand what the core problem is or trusting God, but how can you bring them to a place to where it, a unique place that's unique to them to where they can trust God in a more practical and transformative way. You can learn about a person's story. I mean, you can figure out where they have been, but as you are determining their story, you must also begin the process of leading them from where they are to where they need to be. In Genesis 3, 9, uh, the Lord asked Adam a leading question. He said, where are you, Adam? Now, omniscient Lord knew where Adam was because there's nothing that God does not know. And so we understand by implication that God was leading him by excellent question asking. He was leading him conversationally. It's one of the reasons why I don't ask for information before I meet with someone in a counseling context. I don't require intake forms because, one, I already know that they're very similar to me, that they're going to be struggling with trusting God, and so I already know the problem, and I know what ultimately, foundationally, what the solution of the problem is. And so whatever struggle they're going through, their biggest hurdle will be trusting God enough to follow his path. And so rather than gathering data before I meet them 24 hours before I ever lay eyes on them or three days before I ever lay eyes on them, I don't think that's a wise way uh, to help a person. It's so detached and non-relational. My preference is to sit with them. I want to listen to their story. I want to ask relevant questions while pleading with the Lord to use me, to bring this person into a, a greater understanding and appreciation and application of his word into their lives. This kind of discipleship that I'm talking about requires two-level listening. I have an infographic here that talks about this idea of two-level listening. It comes right out of Luke 6.45, where Jesus said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus set up two levels in that verse, that their mouths will be saying all kinds of things. But what their mouths are saying, it finds their source, their genesis in their hearts. And so if you want to understand a person and what is going on in their heart, then you listen to the words that they say. And so on one level, you're listening to, you're listening to their story. You want to know as much as possible about them. You want to know the good, the bad, the ugly of their lives. You want to get into their heads. You want to think the way that they think. You want to exegete them. I should say execute. You don't want to execute. You want to exegete them, unpack them to the point to where you truly understand them. Once you are thinking the way they are thinking, once you have entered into their narrative, and you truly understand as much as you can humanly understand as the Spirit is illuminate, illuminating you to understand their story, you can begin to bring them to where they need to be. Jesus entered into the narrative of Nicodemus. He asked thoughtful questions, leading questions as well. He entered into the story of the Samaritan woman. 
You could say it this way. You want to go to them and to become like them. Isn't that the heart of the gospel in Philippians 2? Jesus took on the form of a a man. He became a servant of all. He became a sympathizing savior. And so you enter into their story. You're listening at one level. And then as you gather this data, you want to begin to move them along. There is a deeper level of understanding. And so while you're listening to their story and asking them questions, you are praying. And you're asking the Lord to show you a path to bring them to a gospel-centered, gospel-motivated trust in him. The story that they reveal to you at level one, what they're doing is they're revealing their functional trust in God or lack of trust in God. You could say that level one listening is external behavioral type questions, while level two is going after their hearts, their functional belief system. Will they trust God uniquely? Will they trust God practically according to the narrative that he is scripting for them? And as you grow in your maturity of listening at two levels, you will begin to help them to see where they are trusting God, where they are not trusting God, where they need to mature in their trust of God because you realize that at the foundational core of their being, their point of departure between faith and unfaith, trust and untrust, belief and unbelief, at that point of departure, it will define everything else in their lives. If Adam had chosen to trust God, his narrative would have been radically different. But he chose unbelief, and because of that, his story took a dark turn. And so you listen to their story, understanding that there will be necessary calibration of their heart around trusting God in a more practical way. And as you cooperate with the Lord and the unique narrative of the person that's sitting in front of you, God will use you in a remarkable way to calibrate their hearts to trust, to belief, to faith, and it will begin to change their lives dramatically. The title of this podcast is The Number One All-Time Personal Problem Ever. Just in case you missed it, it is the tension between faith and unfaith. And we want to come alongside those and help them so they can have their hearts calibrated by the Spirit of God as understood by the Word of God so that they can trust God in a more profound way. Before I wrap up, I want to ask you a couple of questions in the call to action section of this podcast. Question number one, Have you yielded to the temptation that you can't help someone because you have not walked a mile in their shoes? Now, I realize this is a layered question, but there are some people who self-disqualify themselves because they haven't had the unique narrative of their lives, of the person's lives that uh, they should be discipling right now. I haven't had Nicodemus's experience, therefore I can't help Nicodemus. I haven't had the woman at the well's experience, therefore I cannot help that lady at the well. Have you yielded to that temptation? You shouldn't. It is impossible to have 
a complete understanding and a complete experience that mirrors every person that you're ever going to meet in your life. But here's the great releasing news. Though your external behavior or relational narrative will be different from them, you have the the same core common problem. You struggle with faith and unfaith. You struggle with belief and unbelief. You struggle with trust and untrust. How has God worked in your life? How has he identified those, that struggle, that universal struggle with you? Same as Adam, same with me, same with you, same with everyone else. And then as you learn to grow in your own faith and walk with the Lord, you'll begin to see the trust and untrust, the tension in other people's lives. And even though your story is different from them, you will be able to help them because in the most important way, you're just like them. Question number two, how freeing is it uh, to you to know that you are not uniquely different in your hearts, in your heart with another person? Though your experience is massively different, we come from one man who had one foundational struggle. I trust that is freeing to you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If we can help you further, would you just consider coming to our ministry and you can jump on our forums and we would love to dialogue with you. We would love to help you in any way that we can. Also, would you consider if you have benefited from our ministry and you are a are in a position to help us, we are at the most vital time financially and and in the year in our ministry, and that is the end of the year when people tend to give more. Our fall campaign for 2021 has started, and if and honestly, regardless of when you hear this podcast, if you hear it in 2025, but if you are able to support us, we give our resources away. Our resources are free to anybody that wants them, and that is hopefully a position that we will continue to maintain until Jesus returns. But we can only do that with your support. And so if you're able to support us, would you consider it? Thanks so much. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.